Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He replied the witness like a tall man. Everyone in court kept his eyes riveted on his pen, or his umbrella handle, or his book, or his boots, or whatever else he happened to be looking at. They seemed to be holding their eyes away from the prisoner by main force. But they felt his figure in the dock, and they felt it as gigantic. Tall as Bruno was to the eye, he seemed to swell taller and taller when an eyes had been torn away from him. Cowdery was resuming his seat with his solemn face, smoothing his black silk robes and white silk whiskers. Sir Wilson was leaving the witness-box after a few final particulars, to which there were many other witnesses, when the counsel for the defence sprang up and stopped him. "'I shall only detain you a moment,' said Mr. Butler, who was a rustic-looking person with red eyebrows and an expression of partial slumber. "'Will you tell his lordship how you knew it was a man?' A faint, refined smile seemed to pass over Seymour's features. "'I'm afraid it is the vulgar test of trousers,' he said. "'When I saw daylight between the long legs, I was sure it was a man, after all.' Butler's sleepy eyes opened as suddenly as some silent explosion. "'After all,' he repeated slowly, "'so you did think at first it was a woman.' Seymour looked troubled for the first time. "'It is hardly a point of fact,' he said, "'but if his lordship would like me to answer for my impression, "'of course I shall do so. "'There was something about the thing that was not exactly a woman, "'and yet not quite a man. "'Somehow the curves were different, "'and it had something that looked like long hair.' "'Thank you,' said Mr. Butler K.C., "'and sat down suddenly, as if he had got what he wanted. "'Captain Cutler was a far less plausible and composed witness than Sir Wilson.' but his account of the opening incidents was solidly the same. He described the return of Bruno to his dressing-room, the dispatching of himself to buy a bunch of lilies of the valley, his return to the upper end of the passage, the things he saw in the passage, his suspicion of Seymour, and his struggle with Bruno. But he could give little artistic assistance about the black figure that he and Seymour had seen. Asked about its outline, he said he was no art critic with a somewhat too obvious sneer at Seymour. Asked if it was a man or a woman, he said it looked more like a beast, with a too obvious snarl at the prisoner. But the man was plainly shaken with sorrow and sincere anger, and Cowdray quickly excused him from confirming facts that were already fairly clear. 
The defending counsel also was again brief in his cross-examination, although, as was his custom even in being brief, he seemed to take a long time about it. "'You used a remarkable expression,' he said, looking at Cutler sleepily. "'What do you mean by saying that it looked more like a beast than a man or a woman?' Cutler seemed seriously agitated. "'Perhaps I oughtn't to have said that,' he said. "'But when the brute has huge humped shoulders like a chimpanzee, "'and bristles sticking out of its head like a pig—' "'Mr. Butler cut short his curious impatience in the middle. "'Never mind whether its hair was like a pig's,' he said. "'Was it like a woman's?' "'A woman's!' cried the soldier. "'Great Scott, no!' "'The last witness said it was,' commented the counsel, with unscrupulous swiftness. "'And did the figure have any of those serpentine and semi-feminine curves "'to which eloquent allusion has been made?' "'No, no feminine curves. "'The figure, if I understand you, was rather heavy and square than otherwise.' "'He may have been bending forward,' said Cutler, in a hoarse and rather faint voice. "'Or again he may not,' said Mr. Butler, and sat down suddenly for the second time. The third witness called by Sir Walter Cowdray was the little Catholic clergyman. So little, compared with the others, that his head seemed hardly to come above the box, so that it was like cross-examining a child. But unfortunately Sir Walter had somehow got it into his head, mostly by some ramifications of his family's religion, that Father Brown was on the side of the prisoner, because the prisoner was wicked and foreign and even partly black. Therefore he took Father Brown up sharply whenever that proud pontiff tried to explain anything, and told him to answer yes or no, and tell the plain facts without any Jesuitry. When Father Brown began, in his simplicity, to say who he thought the man in the passage was, the barrister told him that he did not want his theories. A black shape was seen in the passage, and you say you saw the black shape. Well, what shape was it? Father Brown blinked as under rebuke, but he had long known the literal nature of obedience. The shape, he said, was short and thick, but had two sharp black projections curved upwards on each side of the head or top, rather like horns, and— "'Oh, the devil with horns, no doubt!' ejaculated Cadre, sitting down in triumphant jocularity. It was the devil come to eat Protestants. No, said the priest dispassionately, I know who it was. Those in court had been wrought up to an irrational but real sense of some monstrosity. They had forgotten the figure in the dock, and thought only of the figure in the passage. And the figure in the passage, described by three capable and respectable men who had all seen it, was a shifting nightmare. One called it a woman, and the other a beast, and the other a devil. The judge was looking at Father Brown with level and piercing eyes. "'You are a most extraordinary witness,' he said, "'but there is something about you that makes me think you are trying to tell the truth. "'Well, who was the man you saw in the passage?' "'He was myself,' said Father Brown. "'Butler, K.C., sprang to his feet in an extraordinary stillness, and said quite calmly, "'Your Lordship will allow me to cross-examine?' and then, without stopping, he shot at Brown the apparently disconnected question. "'You have heard about this dagger. You know the experts say the crime was committed with a short blade?' "'A short blade,' assented Brown, nodding solemnly like an owl, but a very long hilt. Before the audience could quite dismiss the idea that the priest had really seen himself doing murder with a short dagger with a long hilt, 
which seemed somehow to make it more horrible, he had himself hurried on to explain. I mean, daggers aren't the only things with short blades. Spears have short blades. And spears catch at the end of the steel just like daggers. If they're that sort of fancy spear they had in theatres, like the spear poor old Parkinson killed his wife with, just when she had sent for me to settle their family troubles, and I came just too late. God forgive me. But he died penitent. He died of being penitent. He couldn't bear what he had done. The general impression in court was that the little priest who was gobbling away had literally gone mad in the box. But the judge still looked at him with bright and steady eyes of interest, and the counsel for the defence went on with his questions unperturbed. If Parkinson did it with that pantomime spear, said Butler, he must have thrust from four yards away. How do you account for signs of struggle, like the dress dragged off the shoulder? He had slipped into treating his mere witness as an expert. But no one noticed it now. The poor lady's dress was torn, said the witness, because it was caught in a panel that slid to just behind her. She struggled to free herself, and as she did so, Parkinson came out of the prisoner's room and lunged with the spear. A panel? repeated the barrister in a curious voice. It was a looking-glass on the other side, explained Father Brown. When I was in the dressing-room, I noticed that some of them could probably be slid out into the passage. There was another vast and unnatural silence, and this time it was the judge who spoke. So you really mean that when you looked down that passage, the man you saw was yourself, in a mirror? Yes, my lord, that's what I was trying to say, said Brown. But they asked me for the shape, and our hats have corners just like horns, and so... The judge leaned forward, his old eyes yet more brilliant, and said in specially distinct tones, Do you really mean to say that when Sir Wilson Seymour saw that wild what-you-call-him-with-curves-and-a-woman's-hair-and-a-man's-trousers, what he saw was Sir Wilson Seymour? Yes, my lord, said Father Brown. And you mean to say that when Captain Cutler saw that chimpanzee with humped shoulders and hogs bristles, he simply saw himself? Yes, my lord. The judge leaned back in his chair with a luxuriance in which it was hard to separate the cynicism and the admiration. "'And can you tell us why,' he asked, "'you should know your own figure in the looking-glass when two such distinguished gentlemen don't?' Father Brown blinked even more painfully than before. Then he stammered, "'Really, my lord, I don't know, unless it's because I don't look at it so often.'" End of chapter